First thing is that um, the P that's your mouth when you say things, it should be Roshe Besoichai, you should mean it. So often people say things they don't even mean it. They're trying to make someone feel good, but then two minutes later they basically contradict themselves and prove that they didn't mean what they said. But then he says another thing. He says, Right? You want to make sure that what you say is not going to cause a problem. You want to make sure it's not going to cause a tear. So what happens is when a person loses himself in the moment and says something he shouldn't say, very often people do it relying on the fact that, you know, I'll pull back, I'll fix it. Now I'll scream at, uh, I'll scream at someone, I'll make someone feel bad. And then later I'll either apologize or I'll say, I didn't mean it, or we'll, we'll move on, we'll figure out a way to make it work. And he said, that's a big problem. So often if somebody would only hold themselves back from saying what they shouldn't, it would be easier later, because not always are you able to pull back on something you said. At Masa Oirig, Kofliyeh, he talks about how, how careful you have to be that there shouldn't uh, be a rip, a tear, because of something you said. And that's, that's what the Ma'il is teaching us, that when you say something, you should be very, very careful. You have to think twice. People rely on the fact that I'll be able to pull back, and you can't always pull back. You can't always pull back. Interestingly, the Chadu also writes that Vatu Tetzaveh, Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching in the Shekinder, Hashem was telling him, Vatu you're, you're an example. You're going to be teaching them this. You know why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu said something. Right? Hashem, you could erase me from your Sefer, from your Sefer Torah. What happened? His name is not in Parshat Tzava. You would think that Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, come, okay, so he said something, but he couldn't pull back. He couldn't retract. And the answer is no. You can't always retract. Hashem was telling him, you, you're going to be a lesson for Klal Yisrael. You said something, and this is what happened, and you couldn't pull back on it. How important this is when it comes to relationships and shalom bias. Say someone says something, and it comes back to haunt you. Now, it, I, I'm not, I'm not um, saying that it's right for somebody to Use against someone. Well, you said this and this. Uh, six years ago, you said it, and I'm not forgetting it, and you're going to have to work very hard. To... It's wrong. It's very wrong to use against someone something they said. But, but if you're the one that said it, it's good to learn from. Don't say it next time. And this is something that people, in the moment, they lose themselves, and they don't realize, you know, how, how difficult it could be to pull something back. And that's why sometimes you're supposed to say things that aren't so truthful. Okay? Not not a not a chanifa, but something so, so you're supposed to realize that even if in the moment you want to say something very truthful, and you're gonna hurt someone's feeling by saying something truthful, don't say something truthful if it hurts. And the Chavos says that's what checker is made for. You say a lie, you know, because because telling the truth to someone and saying it the way it is, is something that's gonna hurt. And then even after the initial message was taken and your pro- your point was proven and your mission was accomplished, but what's left after that? The hurt feelings, and that's that's something that's, that's very important. I'll tell you, this is not, there's another reason why a lot of people go for marriage counseling and you go to in front of a third party and people think that, okay, so now we're here for tachlis, right? So in front of this person, I'm supposed to say everything I feel, right? So I feel that my wife is a, a good for nothing and she never really got anything straight. I don't mean to hurt her feelings, but this, this is how I see it. Or I feel that my husband is totally irresponsible. He doesn't care about me, doesn't love me, doesn't have anything nice to say. I think that my wife was brought up in an abusive home and that's why she is totally dysfunctional. People make this mistake all the time, assuming that because we're saying it in front of a third party, who's now going to turn to my wife and say, you know, I understand your husband, maybe there's something you should do about it. What happens? I hear it all the time. You leave there. That's what you said about me? That's what you think about me? I, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I try, no, no, but then, but you didn't accomplish anything. You just said something that hurts for a very long time. So the fact that somebody will now say that you're right, well, first of all, you, your wife probably might, might never go back to that therapist or that marriage counselor. But even if something good comes out of that, and even if she realizes that for whatever reason she's going to have to take this seriously, you could, you could assume that those hurt feelings that come from saying something negative like that might not go away. Now, what should I do instead? Well, there's ways to deal with these things, but you have to be careful not to hurt someone's feelings.
And that's something which you learn from the Me'il. So, let me read a question over here. Okay, I listen to your shirim often. It's a shame I don't know Yiddish. My mother told me about your speech about Paz Basale, and that's how I got hooked. Usually when I watch this, on Shabbos, I get to hear your wise words. I'm always reading and listening to Shon Bias knowledge, and happen to be someone whose friends ask for advice from. So when I hear you ask questions out loud, I always try to think of the answer, what you might answer, and then you always end up taking a different twist, which I would never have thought of. Thank you for opening my eyes. Okay. I'll comment on that in a moment. So I'm not sure if the history is negated to my question, but I have a journey. The first few years of my marriage were rough. Uh, my husband is very sensitive and very defensive. His temper could set him on a ride. With a lot of hard work on both of our parts, we are very happy with each other, and I've learned skills how to avoid blow-ups. He is also, it's very impressive to see how he also faced his issue, admitted it, and worked on it. He's also extremely caring and responsible towards me as a wife and loving to the children. The surrendered wife, that's the book, really helped me... Um, turn into a real wife and not be out there to change him or tell him that he has anger issues. I really feel like he also doesn't really like himself. He's one of the guys that everyone loves and is very charismatic, but if somebody steps on his baby toe and doesn't respect him, he often reacts very defensively and, in my opinion, very scary. Anyway, to my question. Okay, I Baruch Hashem have... Let me just say this for those who wonder. When I read questions, I read them word for word from the paper. I don't make up details, almost ever. When it comes to identifying details, that's where I obviously, as I read... I usually change details as I go on, not to um, expose anyone's um, privacy or identity. But in general, I don't make anything up when it comes to the questions other than that. Okay, Abar Hashem have five kids under the age of 12. My two older boys are close in age, and I feel like my husband's always against my oldest. My older boy is similar to him in the way that he also gets angry and loud and exaggerates. My husband has no patience for his feelings. He constantly tells me how when he was this same age, at 12 years old, he didn't care about this or about that, and he would never say this. And I feel like, you know, my kid is just a kid, and let him experience his feelings. My husband told me that he feels like my son is ungrateful. I have a lot of opinions on how he should act to me, but I try to let him be the father, how he should behave towards my son. But I, I allow him to be the father that he is to him, and I get involved. But many times my husband turns it into a me-against-him thing, and it pains me very much to see that my son, who's such a good boy, um, who should be loved for all the good he offers, is not. It's also interesting for me to see that as much as my husband is successful in life, he's still always waiting for his father's approval. So why can't he give this to his own son? It doesn't help that the next boy barely gets into trouble. And there's obviously a lot of hurt feelings for the older boy. Although he's not that well behaved, he's equally normal as a child. Okay. That's, that's the gist of the question. So, first thing, I'm just mentioning, because you say that you listen to a lot of Sean Bias advice, and you always try to, uh, you know, figure out the answers on your own, I, I commend that, I think it's wonderful. Now, I don't want you to think, and people have told me this before, people tell me I listen to the question, I think of what the answer might be, and then you come up with some brilliant answer, first of all, thank you for the compliment, but my answer not, might not be better than yours. So that's first of all, it could be you think of something better than I do, and, and that's fine as well, I'm just answering questions and trying my best to apply some kind of... Uh, you know, common sense, however common that is. Um, so that's first of all. I don't want to get intimidated by the fact that I might think differently than them. As long as you think about the questions, as long as you're trying to come up with a good answer, as long as you're trying to realize what's the, way to, what's the best way to improve my relationship and be a better spouse, that's wonderful. Exactly what the answer is or exactly how to go about it, there could be many ways. That's first of all. Another thing that you mentioned that your mother 
told you about my classes, and, and you know, I think it's wonderful to spread the word. How do we talk to my classes? It's wonderful to spread awareness about helping people better their relationships. It's a wonderful thing. People ask me, why do you give so many classes? <coughs> Excuse me, why, why, do you, why do you give so much free information? Because that's what people need. You want people to have better relationships. So if there's anything you could do to help people have better shalom bias, especially if you mention that people are turning to you for advice, yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Now, very much what you're writing over here is a very typical and yet a very major challenge when it comes to parenting and it comes to shalom bias. <coughs> and that is where, where one um, spouse becomes a monkey in the middle between a spouse and a child. I hear about this all the time. I actually have a class um, from Karaftuni on Torayintam about Chinuch versus Shalom Bayes. Which one comes first? <coughs> Excuse me. I once, heard this, um, I once heard this expression about something else. You know, which comes first? This or this? Two important things. And the answer, it was a Yiddish, a Yiddish quote, that they skimmed Eish, but they said You know, this one's first, but this one comes, comes before. And the idea is that sometimes they're both equally as important and they both come first. They both come first. The point is that you have to be careful, however, that one shouldn't bring the other into a problem. Now, if you have a marriage issue, let's say, you're not getting along with your spouse, try to make sure that doesn't pour over into a chinuch issue where you talk to the kids against your spouse. Now you have a chinuch issue, because now, you, now your kids are messed up. Or the other way around. If you have a chinuch issue, similar to the one we're discussing here, where a parent doesn't get along with a child, don't turn that, don't turn that into a marriage issue. Keep it isolated. And this is to a parent who's struggling with a relationship with a child. Don't turn it against your spouse and make this into a bias. You're not helping anything. You're just making things worse. Chinuch and bias are intertwined in a, in, a, in a sense that they affect each other, but don't make them intertwined when they don't have to be. That's first of all. Now, which one comes first? On the one hand, bias comes first because if you're not united as parents, you can't be mechanach children. On the other hand, chinuch comes first because at the end of the day, when you have to choose between a child or a spouse, and you should never have to choose, I mean, I wish yourself there's ways to work around having to choose. There's ways to making them both work. But I'm still saying it. When you're going to have to choose, your child comes first. And that's a very daring statement that I'm saying now, and, and maybe controversial as well. But that, that's, that's what I believe is the truth. Your child only has two parents, and they can't have anyone else's parents. And especially if your child only has one left, because the other one is not uh, getting along with them, and, and they're feeling very uh, misunderstood. And it's either siding with your spouse against the child, or helping a child and, and being there for him, I'm afraid your child comes first. And the reason why I'm saying it is not to tell anyone to turn against their spouse and go for a child. On the contrary, I just mentioned that you shouldn't do that. Right? It's called turning a, a Shambayas issue into a Chinuch issue and, and just messing people up. However, if you have the issue, if you're the one on the other side of the table, not getting along with a child, and you see your spouse getting along with that child, and you're getting angry, and you're trying to get your spouse to understand that, you know, stop doing that, stick up for me, fight the kid, throw him out, scream at him. No, it's wrong. Your spouse should side with the child if that's all the child will be left with. It's either having one parent be understanding, and I'm not talking about enabling, I'm not talking about um, uh, you know, making things worse, but if it's either someone going to be there for the kid or no one going to be there for the kid, yeah, somebody should. So don't put your spouse in that position where they might have to pick your child over you. So, Shalom Bayez comes first to be able to be mechanic well, but Chinuch comes first. And that's why, you know, it's just something to think about. You don't want to have, um, you don't want to make someone Choose. You don't want to have to. You don't want to make someone have to choose to, to side with a child over you. So there's ways to deal with things. There's ways to get together about it, but not to turn it into a, a, a choice, one or the other. That's that's something that's um, important. Now, as a general idea, when it comes to these things, where somebody feels like the monkey in the middle between a spouse and a child, similar to when two children are fighting, we talk about this often, right? You have sibling rivalry, right? Now, sometimes you have kids fighting because it's normal to fight, and they're just 
pulling a toy from each other, and it's nothing. It's not that bad. And there's relatively simple and logical ways to address a fight between two kids. But sometimes you're dealing with two kids that are not easy. And no matter what you're going to say, they're always going to say you're sticking up for the other one. And they're always going to be upset. And they're always going to use it against you. And they're never going to get... What do you do then? Very often. The, the right thing to do is talk to each one separately. To this kid, you could say, you know, really, you're right. And I understand. And maybe I'll even get you something because I'm proud that you're being mevater. And really, you didn't have to be. And I understand that you, your brother started up with you. And he always does it. And I'm working with him. And it's not easy. He can't control himself. And please don't say anything about it. You go to the other one, you say the same exact thing. So often when you, when you address two people separately, it's much easier to say, you know what, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, now let's deal with it. I'm with you. I think you're right. Now, now let's deal with it. The way I think we should deal with it is like this and this, even though I'm with you. So that's, that's always very... Uh, right. Now when it comes back to a spouse, very often that's what you might have to do. You, you should not tell your child that I'm with you and that he's wrong. You have to be very careful how you word that. But you're allowed to tell a kid, I understand. I understand you really try very hard. You know, Tati said that you did. I understand that you, did. you have to be careful how you say it, but yeah, a child should feel like at least someone understands me. But then you tell your spouse, I understand you. He really is not grateful. He really is not an easy child. Why do, you, why do you have to argue about that? Why do you have to show your spouse that you think he's easy and that you know how to do it and that he doesn't know how to do it and it's all his fault? And it? Why? You could, you could argue on the approach, the practical and the technical thing, what to do. But what's wrong with, with giving your spouse a feeling that you understand the challenge? You have to be careful with that one. So, when it comes... And and before I go on to anything more practical, um, it's a very common problem. Aside the fact that I hear it all the time from people because I hear a lot of problems, but it's a very common problem. You know why? There are things that are easier for children and things that are harder for children. We see Chazal tell us that. When it comes to right? it's easier to be be mechabed a father, to be mechabed a mother. When it comes to Yiris, it's easier to be afraid of a father. And that's why the Torah was magdim av la'aim or I'm la'av. You see, that there's a certain natural way people do things. In the, in the general big picture, it's easy to be afraid of a father and be mechabar a mother. Okay. But then you have situations which is the other way around. You have a mother who's more tough. And in that case, a, a child is more intimidated and a child is more afraid of the mother than the father. You see it all the time. It comes to COVID, sometimes the father is more respectable and more deserving of respect. And, and it's easier to be mechabar a father. There's different ways, and then you have in the same family where one child is easier to be mechabed one, one child the other. It's not always across the board, and that is because each child is different, and the personalities are different, and the upbringing is different. I don't know all different things that come into play, and and that's why you see certain kids gravitate more towards one than the other, and it's fine. It's like a Almost every child, almost, will automatically have a better connection or a better kasher or a better communication with one or the other, and it could be some children to the mother and some children to the father. It's normal. All that is still normal. What happens after that is that sometimes the one who has not as good a communication, whether it's because of their own deficiencies and communication skills, whether it's because of the child's fragilities and sensitivities that the child's not getting along, or whatever it is, when that becomes an issue, I can't handle it. How come he always goes to you when he wants something? How come he doesn't come to me? How come when I ask him he doesn't do it? You do. Instead of realizing what may be behind it and how we can really deal with it on a better and in a better way, it turns into an issue. And often it does. That's why I'm saying that even though not in every family you'll have the monkey in the middle of the situation, but very often you'll have at least with one child where you know, it could become an issue, and now it just depends on how you're going to deal with it. Will I turn it into an issue, or will I understand the child and realize that maybe there's something to it? So, let's, let's, let's get a little more uh, practical over here. Like I said, when you address your husband separately and your child separately, right? what do you want to tell your husband? You want to tell your husband that you agree with him as much as possible. It doesn't mean that you have to agree on the on the technicalities. I agree that we should uh, scream at him. No, not that. But I agree with you that he's ungrateful, for example. And you want to know something? He is. Children are not grateful. 
If it's a problem or not, is something we could debate about. But why do you have to? Why do you have to argue about it? What's going to happen? And so often I told you, what's going to happen if you tell your husband you agree with him? What's the consequence of agreeing with him? Well, then he's going to tell me after screaming him. Well, you could then you got at least only disagree on how we should go about it, or who we should ask for advice about how to go about the problem. But agreeing on as much as you could agree on, I think that's that's very uh, for two reasons. First of all, he might not be capable of hearing that you disagree. Second of all, he might be right. He might be right. So often we hear this, where we can't handle how somebody's looking at a child, for example, or how somebody's dealing with it. But, but part of it is right. It's not, it's not all wrong. It's not all wrong. I mean, you mentioned you, yourself that your son has uh, certain difficulties. So if your husband is seeing them worse than they are, or getting more stuck on them, or, or focusing more on them, don't disagree. You can agree. And then disagree with how to deal with it, or, or who to turn to about that. So that's something that's, uh, you know, the fact that you could tolerate better a certain problem that a child has, or your more understanding of it, or your understanding why it came, doesn't mean it's not there. So this is something that, you know, in general, you always want to agree as much as you could when it comes to showing bias. Very often that's going to help your husband feel better that you agree with him and you see the problem and you want to deal with it. So we can discuss how to go about it, as opposed to, now I have to prove my point, I'm going to show you how ungrateful he is, and I'm going to get stuck on his ungratefulness because you, you don't even see it. That's something to think about. Now another thing that when I, when I mentioned um, the idea of... of Turning to each one separately, part of what you could do, and this is very important, this is what Aaron Akoyan did, is talk to each one nicely about what the other one has to say about him. For example, if you tell your child, you know, Tati said that really, um, you dive nicely, or really, you're very mature, or you're very bright, or he likes to go with you, even if it's not true, what's the problem? If your husband's not saying it to the kid, at least you could tell the child that the, his father thinks highly of him. Same thing the other way around. Nothing's going to happen if you tell your husband that your, your son said something nice about how he was treated or, or how grateful he really is. And for whatever reason, he didn't tell it to you, I don't know why. But he told me. He told me that he really appreciated it. Just don't, don't be afraid of carrying nice messages and don't be so truthful. Another thing that I do want to say is, that this is very tricky, if your child is not getting any love from another parent, you want to compensate. You don't want to compensate in a way that, you know, I understand Tati Versteidechnisch, Tati is going through difficulties, Tati, I heard so many people do this wrong and talk to a child in nice terms like your father doesn't really mean anything he had a difficult childhood and he really doesn't know what he's doing he's not so bright but really he means good you know you try to say it very diplomatically as if you're a very good and understanding person but you are slowly giving your child an impression that your husband is is not a good father that's something you have to be careful of that's something you should never say but I am saying that you want to compensate if if at the end of the day he's getting less attention from your father and other siblings are getting more you might want to spend more time with him so you have to be very careful that it doesn't give the impression and doesn't um, you know, confirm a problem and, and, and show him that you also think that, that his father's wrong, but you definitely want to give him uh, what you could. And I'll tell you something else, and that is that you might want to compensate for your husband as well. If he's not getting the respect he wants from a certain child, and he's getting very agitated and aggravated from this child, you might also want to give him that little extra something because he's going through difficulty. Again, not because you're responsible for him, not because you're... Uh, you have to make sure that everyone's feeling good around you. You get that codependent attitude where you have to make sure everyone's settled. But there's something about it. When people around you are feeling a void or lacking something, you might, you might want to um, um, help them with that. Which brings me to the next idea. And that is that, I spoke about this in the past. And whoever read my book, Get Along With Everyone, will understand this idea. You, you, you describe your husband as somebody who's very sensitive and getting very defensive. And you mentioned very nicely that you stopped trying to change him. And you don't tell him that he has anger issues. Like we started off, there are things that are better not said. We learned that from the ill. You can say something and it will just 
come back to haunt you one day, you won't be able to take back. So I commend all you're not saying and all you're not trying to control. And everything you learned from the surrendered wife, I really do. I really do. But, but let, me, let me add something. Well, first of all, what you're, describing for, what you're describing is a typical hypersensitive temperament. You're describing what in my book is, is called a UV, somebody who is very sensitive by nature. Understanding that it's a nature uh, makes it easier to accept, easier to realize that it might never change, easier to realize that you're not supposed to change it, easier to realize that it has nothing to do with how he grew up. Obviously, nurture always adds to the picture, but it's not about what he did or didn't get as a kid. He's a sensitive person. When you realize, okay, the person I'm dealing with is a sensitive person, whether it's a child or a spouse, you accept it and you learn to deal with it. You learn to deal with it. The person I'm dealing with is a sensitive person. I learn to deal with it. Now, sometimes the way people deal with avoiding somebody's problems is just by avoiding. So, for example, the surrendered wife, the way you mentioned it, and I, I read the book and I know the main ideas, I know that somewhere in between the lines that also talks about what I'm going to mention now, but, but the main idea is to surrender. I'm not going to try to control anymore, I'm going to surrender to you. Surrendering is a beautiful thing, and especially when someone's very sensitive, they appreciate when you don't try to control them. But that's only what you're, when you're avoiding problems. You're not, really doing, you're not really accomplishing anything by just avoiding the problem. You're avoiding a problem, which is, a, which is also an accomplishment. Something similar, for, by the way, is you know, the book about borderline personality disorder, Stop Walking on Eggshells, bestseller. It's a lot about stop letting yourself be controlled, which means you're going to be avoiding a problem of being controlled. Okay, so now I don't have that problem anymore. What, yes, did I fix anything? Not really, I'm just avoiding a problem. The, the problem with all this is that when you're dealing with somebody who's hypersensitive, there's a way to get through to that person. There's a way to make that person feel good. There's a way to per- make that person feel content. Now again, is it your responsibility? Should you feel burdened by it? No. But sometimes what this person needs is somebody to really pump him and boost his ego. What somebody who's sensitive needs is somebody to believe in them and need them and make them feel good. So by just uh, not saying anything critical and just watching things happen and, and not getting in the way and not making problems, it's very good. But that's not going to do the job. He's not feeling good now. He might be feeling challenged. He might be feeling very threatened or intimidated by the fact that you have a better relationship with a child than he does. How about giving him that good feeling that he needs to really feel like somebody here believes in him, somebody looks up to him? Now, it could be you're doing all that. I'm just mentioning it. It's not enough to avoid hurting somebody who's sensitive. Somebody who's sensitive needs a lot of ego boosting. And especially if you're dealing with someone, as you mentioned, who's extremely caring and responsible as a father and a husband. I mean, he sh- I hope he's hearing it all day long. Maybe if he hears from you how much you appreciate what he does and how much you notice how good he's trying to be a good father for this child and how tolerant he is and how much he's working on himself and how much he's, he's tolerating and how much uh, you don't know if you'd manage doing this on your own and all that, maybe he'd feel a lot better, feeling better, more understood and feeling more um, you know, validated. So sometimes people don't realize how much does somebody who's sensitive need to feel good instead of just trying to avoid the things that, that you know, cause a problem. Especially if you're talking about somebody who who really did uh, work on himself and acknowledged issues. I mean, that, that's amazing. I'll tell you the truth, it's amazing. And if you could say it all the time and say, you know, I, I commend the fact that you work on yourself and that you realize uh, where you have a part in the problem. I mean, I don't know if I, I'd ever be able to do that, etc. You might be making someone feel a lot better and, and making them more capable of dealing with, with issues that are disturbing to them. So it's true, you can't say everything, like you mentioned. You can't debate with somebody who's, who will get unreasonable or illogical or irrational when it comes to their feelings. But with sensitivities, um, you could definitely make them feel very good. And without any pressure, you know, there are things that you could communicate. So, to take it all together, to tell someone that I commend how you deal with Yankee, and I'm so impressed how you deal with Yankee. And you're right, Yankee is not grateful, and he should be more respectful. And I really wish that one day he'll, he'll get there. 
you know, and, and uh, it's amazing how you didn't say when something bothered you and you didn't, you didn't scream at him. I'm amazed by it. And I think that maybe we could do things this way, or we could discuss it with someone. You could suggest then something that might be taken better because now someone's feeling better and more understood, and then you're a winner. So as, you, as long as you agree with someone and you make them feel good and you know what it is that they need, a lot of these um, issues could be avoided. Now I have a lot more to say about that, but that was just, that's the main idea that I wanted to share. Now, let me go back and say this to all the spouses causing a problem. In other words, if you find yourself um, arguing with a child and, and, and not getting along with a kid and then, and then giving it out on your spouse, now I hear this from people all the time, it's so easy to blame a spouse and say, if only she would be uh, more tough on him, if only she would tell him the way it is, he wouldn't do this to me. It's so, it's so, I, hear, I hear it very often. It's easy for someone to feel that if only my husband would stick up for me more often, then my kid wouldn't be chutzpahdik. But very often it's the other way around. The only reason why the kid's half normal is only because somebody's not, not climbing down his back. So if, only, you know, if only you'd be a little nicer to him, maybe, he would be less chutzpahdik to you too. So it's easy to blame your relationship struggle with a child on your spouse. But very often, and most often I would say, um, it's, not, it's not the way to do it. And like I said before, if your spouse is going to have to pick between your child or you, they might just have to pick your child. So instead, figure out a way. I know it's, it's very hard for someone to say, oh, well, my problem, hmm, what do I do about this? And it's very hard to look in the mirror, especially when somebody's sensitive, and take blame of a situation. But very often, that's what you got to do. And that's where you'll be more successful. When you're willing to look at, look at the issue in the face and say, you know, my spouse has a better relationship with a kid. Why is that? Now, it could be, like I said before, it's natural. You have a better relationship with this kid and they have a better relationship with that kid. Don't, don't be so threatened by it. But sometimes, it's something to think about. What is it? Let me think into it. What is it that makes my child more comfortable with my spouse than with me? Maybe something I can learn from it. Think about it that way instead of turning this into a monkey in the middle and turning a chinechish into a shalom bias issue. So that's, that's something. Now, I, I do want to mention one more point and that is that sometimes we see, let's say the other way, right? You see a spouse not getting along with your kid. And very often, you want to stick up for a child. And you might get very resentful at your spouse. Why can't you be nice to the kid? Why can't you understand the kid? Why can't you this? Why can't you that? And this is something I heard from a Udim Gudel. I heard from a, a, a big person. I was discussing a certain situation with somebody who was struggling about a child and I was trying to get someone involved. And, and he said something very profound. And that is that that's the way Hashem made us. That children will always see their parents as having done something wrong to them. Par- children will always feel themselves as being not uh, taken seriously or not being de- dealt with right. And almost all children will be able to relate to this on some level. Almost all children, on some level. My parents didn't handle me right. They didn't know the way. They didn't say it the right way. They didn't give it over correctly. They didn't care about me enough. They didn't do this for me. They didn't do that for me. That's how it is. That's how Shem made children. And the interesting part is that, and this is something that this, this woman mentions, um, if my husband's feeling that way about his parents, why can't he do it differently to his, to his children? It doesn't work that way. We, we tend to naturally feel that our parents didn't do what's right for us. And that's natural. And that natural feeling is not going not gonna to interpret itself in our relationship with our children on its own. So two things I want to bring out. One is that if a child's feeling um, hurt by a parent, it doesn't necessarily mean that the parent did something wrong. So getting upset at your spouse by the fact that, you know, because he's sticking up for a child, like, why can't he? Maybe your child's taking it wrong. Now, it doesn't mean that the kid's wrong, now you're going to scream at him. It's not going to help. The point is that not always is your spouse wrong just because a child feels that they're being mistreated by a parent. It's normal for a child to feel that way. You might still want to um, um, stick up for a child. You might still want to give that child a good feeling because he needs it. But not necessarily, don't look at your spouse like they did something wrong necessarily. That's point number one I wanted to bring out from that. Point number two is that the fact that your spouse is feeling differently about how his parents treated him and about he, how he's treating his child, that's all part of the normal way of seeing things. We see our relationship with our parents different than our relationship with our children. I say it all the time. 
when it comes to control, for example, most parents will think that their children should still be doing things the way they want the child to do things for much longer than they felt that they were supposed to be doing what their parents wanted them to do. And my child's 25 years old, but shouldn't he be doing this and this the way I want? Now, when you were 25, how many things did you change or do differently? Yeah, that's because it's normal for you to see very differently. People don't compare, uh, you know, how I see me and my parents and me and my children. People don't compare that. So to say it as a, a tana, as a, as, a, as a complaint, why doesn't my spouse? That, that's how it is. On the other hand, we should. So if anyone listening to this want to think into it, and you know what? Maybe I should uh, treat my child differently. Maybe I was feeling misunderstood as a child, and maybe that's what my child is feeling now, even though I see it very differently. Because maybe I'm too subjective to notice, you know, we're, I'm doing exactly the same thing my parents did, or not, or whatever. Or maybe it's not the same exact, but it's still the same. Maybe my child thinks it's the same. So that's also something to think about. So, with Hashem's help, with the right sensitivity, trying to understand children. And then with the right sensitivity of trying to understand and communicate with a spouse about it. And trying to make sure that you're giving your spouse whatever they need to feel good about themselves. And yet, still communicating you know, with, a, a, with an assertive and clear uh, communication how it is that maybe we could agree on how to be a child without using it against uh, me, against you, and turning this into a chinuch problem. And I wish we could live together and see nachas from all our children. That's